This song is not a rebel song. Shall we play a game? I am Sammy Daddy. Many students were killed. Feel right now. I'm very angry. He were rather the poor were poorer, provided the rich were less rich. Naughty, naughty, we like the party. Automobile? Oh, Rick, to think that I may never see you again. I think you did it on purpose because you know I've got a runny bottom. I'm Kurt Loder, this is MTV News. Justin, Justin! But this is Miami, pal. I'm not going with that, eh? Let's have a Play-Doh party! Yeah! Now show me wax on, wax off. I'm Spun Counter Guy. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome to another installment of our wallowing in our glorious past that was the 1980s. On this episode, it's all about partes, fights, and persecutions. So without further delay, let's get this soiree started. My first ever party that I ever went to was a guy by the name of Justin. And uh, I'd never taken a sip of beer, never smelled it, never done nothing. After I, I think I might have had a beer and a half, so I had to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom, and the, this half bath, it was underneath the stairs. The music's playing, I think it was ACDC as a matter of fact. So the music's playing, you hear people blah, 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 talking, and then... All of a sudden, you hear no people talking while I was in the bathroom. So I'm, I'm, but I can still hear, hear the music. But then all of a sudden, the music gets turned off, and it's just pitch quiet. So I'm thinking, wow, I, I must have drank a lot. Ooh, I'm really buzzed. And, and next thing I hear is these heavy footsteps going up the steps. And all of a sudden, I hear, like a walkie-talkie, and, I, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I sat there, and I sat there, and I sat there. And all of a sudden, a uh, knock on the bathroom door, and it was a police officer, and he said, is anybody in here? I didn't say anything, hoping he would go away. A few minutes later, knock, 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 even louder. And uh, he said, is anybody in here? So I said, yeah, hi, somebody in here. And he said, come on out. Oh, my gosh. Because uh, my, my parents were extremely strict. I mean, very, very strict. I knew I was, I was in for it. <laughs> and so I sat there, hoping they would go away. Next thing I know, the bathroom door flies open. And uh, the, the officer says, uh, hurry up. I was sitting in the pot. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, okay. So, so I hurried. He closed the door. I hurried up, finished my business, came out. Everybody else had, had scattered. At one time, there, there might have been 30 to 50 people maybe in the house. And they all went running and up And everybody back went running, yeah. Okay. And so um, he set me down, was talking to me, whose house is it, who bought the beer, blah, blah. All of a sudden, the phone rings. And uh, the officer answers the phone, and it turned out to be Justin's parents calling to check on him. Oh, no. All I heard the officer say was, I'm Officer 
I Fr- forget what it's friendly. Name was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was a, something about a party. We were called here. He said, I'm here with, says my name, and, and she knew who I was. And uh, the next thing I heard the officer say was, well, ma'am, I'm not really sure, but your kitchen floor is in one heck of a shape right now <laughs> because it had been raining that oh, night no. and mud was tracked all throughout the house. So anyway, that was my experience with uh, my first party. My parents found out uh, that they actually ended up driving me home, and the cops did. He let me ride in the front of the car. A super nice guy uh-huh. took me home and walked me up to the door. <clears throat> I think I was grounded for a month. I uh, had everything taken away from me. I mean, I... Very uh, serious. Yeah, it was, I mean, they were they were extremely mad at me. But, you know, the funny thing is that I didn't learn my lesson, so uh-huh. the, second, the second time I went out drinking... Same house. <laughs> Man, you guys are incredibly smart. <laughs> Same house. Well, my, my mom thought something was up. We're inside the house and, and having fun, and all of a sudden somebody come inside and said, oh, my gosh, your, your mom is driving around the block. I was like, oh, no. So I went out went out the back door, and I was looking around, you know, because I was just going to hightail it, because we, we, I lived maybe four blocks from there, so I was just going to run back home. So I'm outside. Next thing I know, here she comes. And so I run behind a tree. And at that time, Justin had this dog. I think his name was Flash. It was a big German Shepherd. And uh, I'm standing there behind the tree. Mom's, mom's coming down the road. And Flash is just sitting there looking at me. I'm like, Flash, get away, get away, get away. <laughs> and about that time, Flash bit my leg. He bit my ankle. Dang. And he was pulling me back, like, as if he was in on it with my mom, trying, <laughs> trying to bust me. So he's pulling me as hard as he can. So I'm, I wrap my arms around the tree. I'm holding on the tree. The dog's got me by my leg, pulling me by my leg. And my mom stops right there. And uh, she just screamed out the window, get in the car. So uh, that was my second time. Needless to say, I didn't go back to any more parties in Justin's house. And so that was it? Your party days was over after that? Well, I wouldn't say my party days were over after that. I just didn't go to Justin's house anymore. Senior year, spring break, I ran with a bunch of different crowds. There was this group of guys I worked with. They all went to a different high school. It's called Wheaton North. But all those guys were on the football team there. I ran with all the um, guys at my school that were on the gymnastics team and wrestling team and stuff like that with me. So a lot of times stuff would get mixed up. There'd be a, a party, a Glenbard West party, and a bunch of Wheaton North football players would show up because these were my buddies and I'd bring them or... There'd be a Wheaton North football party and a bunch of wrestlers from Glenbard West would show up because these were all my buddies and I hung up in both circles. So um, this was a Wheaton North uh, football party. So most of the people I didn't know, but a group of my gymnastics and wrestling buddies came with me. And um, I, of course, had way too much to drink because that's what happens at high school parties. There was a pretty girl there who I grabbed her butt in the hallway as she as she went by. But unfortunately for me, her boyfriend was there, whom she promptly told. And you got to know, when I was a senior in high school, I had just gone through a growth spurt and I was like five foot five and 110 pounds. But, and her boyfriend 
it had to be some linebacker or defensive <laughs> lineman or whatever. I remember being in a corridor when he confronted me, and I was trying to deny this, and he literally picked me up by the shirt, lifted me off my feet, slammed me into the wall, and I was like, I didn't do it, dude. And he just goes down the corridor, and there's picture frames because we're at somebody's house and there's family photos all over there and he just slams my head into one picture frame after another breaking the glass dang like this yeah i mean i went all the way down the corridor broke every picture with my head over this and my wrestling buddies step in and say hey you gotta you gotta cut this out my buddy who was hosting the party tells that guy he has to leave which is great and my four of my wrestling buddies follow him out of the party and they're like we got you. And I'm standing <laughs> over their shoulders going, ha, 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 you're going to get your ass beat. And apparently he did. He got quite wow. a beating for uh, me grabbing his girlfriend's butt, which was completely inappropriate. So again, I apologize. If, yeah. Strange girl whose name I do not even know. So did you get the girl in the end? No, no. I wasn't really after the girl. I just wanted to touch her butt. <laughs> At least you're honest. Yeah. What the heck? Hey. I'm a party animal. When you and I were on the swim team together, mm -hmm. I remember swimming and this girl on the swim team came up to me and I can't even remember who it was. Mm -hmm. and she goes, so-and-so likes you. I didn't even really know the girl. And I was like, who? And she like pointed out. I was like, oh, okay. We'll say Bobby Sue. Yeah, Bobby Sue. So you weren't interested in Bobby Sue? No, wasn't interested in Bobby Sue at all. So you and I went to a party and I want to say it's probably like October, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think they had like a bonfire or something right. outside, and it was mostly swim team. Yeah, it was, members. I was sitting on the floor, leaning up against a couch. We were like watching a movie or something. So Bobby Sue comes over and sits down beside me, and we just start talking and stuff. So somehow Bobby Sue got in her head. That she wanted to wrestle with me. <laughs> That's a pretty good ploy. That sounds like a, a dude move. Yeah, a dude move. And I was like... We should say, too, that Bobby Sue was pretty fit. Well, we're getting to that. So, she, like, starts wrestling around with me. And Bobby Sue was... I want to say she was maybe, like, a sophomore. And we were seniors. Anyway, she was a state-level swimmer. I mean, she went to state. I mean, very good swimmer. As she started wrestling with me, I found out she was very strong, too. <laughs> like, deceptively strong. Yeah. You know, she was, like, kind of tall and thin like I was. And she was, like, trying to put me on the ground. It was, like, everything I had to get her off of me. Did you say no, no, or did you have a trigger word or <laughs> yeah, something? I, I, don't, I don't think we had established a safe word yet. Yeah. So, but I think if she would have, like, really tried... I would have been in trouble. Right. I think she went easy on me. Because at one point, it took, like, she had, like, my arms pinned on the ground, and it, like, took everything I had to, like, you know, get her off of me or whatever. And just, I can't even remember where it went from there. I think I think we stopped, and we just sat there watching the movie. And I, I didn't say nothing to her, because I knew what she was trying to do, and I wasn't, I wasn't going for it. So, so she never tried to kiss you? No. Okay. No. Well, as you all know, there was another swimming party. Not long after that, again, another scenario where there's, it's a bonfire, and this time we're outside, and it's kind of cold, and she asked, could she cuddle with me because it was cold? And I said, sure. Now, she didn't wrestle me, and she was very sweet, and she may have had no intentions, but it was nice. You know, I'd, I'd never had a girlfriend at that point, so I was you know, okay with it. 
that's as far as it went. So I wasn't as lucky as you. <laughs> <laughs> So my wife and I, after prom, we were we went to some uh, we were going to a party. We parked our car and we walked up, and we saw there was a car there parked in the driveway, and they had the windows either halfway out, and there's just tons of smoke coming out that window. I didn't know I'd never been around marijuana or anything else, so I'm not really sure what was going on in there, but it didn't smell like cigarette smoke. And so <laughs> my wife and I, we left because we weren't. We you weren't didn't even in, go in the house. No, we didn't even get to the house. We parked the car and walked back, and then we were going to go to another party. We never even got to that one either. We actually ended up coming back that night at prom. We stopped at my house and we went inside. And so for our after prom party was getting Schwan Man frozen chicken breast fillets in microwave. Yum. <laughs> and that was the extent of our uh, our prom party that we had there. I went to one party after a theater show. I don't remember the kid's name. I can picture him. He had shaved his head for this role. Being bald then wasn't hip at all and especially high school bald kid completely bald and I went to his house for this party I was old enough to drive so I drove by myself I think that was the first party and only party I went to that I'm sure you know I knew there was alcohol there and probably some kind of drugs I don't know I don't nobody ever and I have to say this I've, I've talked to my kids about this nobody ever once ever offered me drugs ever uh, or alcohol, for that matter. Um, I don't know. I was like, hey, you want some Coke? <laughs> now, when I was 16 and 17, I worked at a nightclub, uh, literally uh, called Kokomo's from the Beach Boys song. Mm-hmm. And it was a rockin' club. You had to be 18 to get in the club. Where did and, you do that? Um, I did close-up magic, strolling oh. magic. And talk about fish out of water, man. Mm-hmm. You know, the music's blaring. And I'm, you want to see a card trick? You know? Um <laughs> You know, and and I had heard, of course. So there's alcohol everywhere. There, it's a it's a nightclub, mm-hmm. um, and there were seven bars in that place. It was huge, mm-hmm. um, and they had a whole wall that, like, about nine or ten o'clock at night, whatever people when the party really started to get started, this whole video wall would lift up and go onto a dance floor, as the song Kokomo from the Beach Boys played. <laughs> Anyhow, I yeah, I, I mean, I did you know strolling around doing card tricks for uh-huh. people that really didn't want to see them. So this party you went to, I just remember kind of being dark and stinky and going, you know. All right, this is really, not really fun. You were telling me about a, a particular controversial book that made an appearance at a party, is that right? I just remember, like, being, I think it was maybe, like, late elementary school, probably, and uh, one of my friends had a party, and he invited guys and girls over, and, so it was kind of like our first like boy girl party mixer. I guess. Yeah. So I remember nineteen ninety nine by Prince was out uh-huh. at the time and that was just this insanely dirty album to all of us because, uh-huh. you know, there's songs like DMSR and you know, just different things on, on that album that I mean none of us had ever heard. I, you know, so I remember somebody had snuck a copy of their brother's tape or something. Uh-huh. So we all listened to the Dirty songs on Prince's 1999 album and giggled and snickered and uh-huh. whatever. And then one of the girls brought their copy of Forever by Judy Balloon. <laughs> and 
everybody's like hovering around while one of the girls is reading. Man, it's like a big filth fest. Over it there. really was. Like <laughs> I was like, golly, well, you know. But I didn't know any better. I didn't know at the time, and I just remember a lot of the girls being almost like worse than some of the guys were. But uh-huh. I remember that they would read they read the book, the passage aloud, and of course everybody's like. Which we had the passage now, so I guess me and you are going to read the different parts. Oh, wonderful. Okay. I'll need a little medical history now. How old were you when you first began menstruating? Almost 14. And are your periods regular? Sort of. I get it every four to five weeks. And how long does each period last? About five days. Like, there's some more passages in there that are even a little more racy, but, you know, as kids, we're not, you know, most boys don't even know what a period is. I just remember the girls disappeared in fifth grade for... Uh, about an hour. Well, they had to go in their health class. Well, I guess we I had mean, our health class. Well, we didn't. I don't. I think we just watched a movie. It had nothing like a nature movie or something. It had nothing to do with anything. Oh, but really? the girls went off and they came back with the deer in the headlight look. I don't know what they had seen, but <laughs> well, I'm sure I'd be a little scared. Did you have Seven Minutes in Heaven? Uh, yeah, they played that. I think or Truth or Dare. You know, all those dumb games really? and stuff. Yeah, man, you went to racy parties. I know. I don't remember why, but one weekend my parents and my sisters were going to be gone out of town. And I know that I had to stay behind because I had a job. I had seen enough movies to know that when your entire family leaves the house, you should have a party. So the only good idea I had was to have a party. But that's the only idea I had. I hadn't thought that far ahead. I just started calling my friends who were mostly on the swim team hey, come over on Saturday night. We'll have a party at my house. My parents are gone. So they're like, yeah, yeah. Of course, they get there and like, so what do you got to drink? Uh, you know, I have nothing except sweet tea and maybe water, milk. You know, someone else says, well, what are we going to eat? You know, I don't have anything either except just... How old are you? I was probably 15. Not too bright. I can see. <laughs> I have one good idea. <laughs> uh, so my, luckily my friends are nice. Some of them ran to the gas station to get some food and drink. And I don't think any of us were drinker drinkers, so they got you know some soda or something. But So we're kind of hanging out in the living room. And, and I think at that time, I should back up a little bit. My dad had started a project where he pulled up all the carpet. And so all it was was all these hardwood floors. And all our furniture was lawn chairs because... It was in transition. They were going to get new furniture once Dad got this project finished. And it kind of got stalled, and so it was that way for a couple of years. Some of the people that came over, inevitably you invite friends, and they invite other friends. And they come over, and they think, wow, Tim, you got the coolest house ever. You guys got lawn chair for furniture. So that was kind of impressive, I guess. How many friends did you end up having? <sighs> Maybe between 10 and 20. And because the the living room was all tore up, the good TV that we had was in my parents' bedroom. So we're sitting in the living room and there's nothing to do. No stereo, no nothing. It's just silence. And again, I hadn't thought that far ahead. So I suggest, well, maybe we can watch a movie, but we'd have to watch it in my parents' room. And it's small, too. And of course, it's not nice that I'm you know, getting in my parents' bedroom. But So we all pile in. A lot of people sit on the bed 
mom and dad's bed, and I bring some the lawn chairs, and we fill this room, this tiny room, and start watching a movie or something. Well, at some point, one of the guys gets up to get out of the bed to go get the bathroom or something, and I guess something went just wrong or just right, however you want to put it, and the whole bed collapses. And they, and in fact, it collapses on one side, and they all roll out. <laughs> and I panic because my mom and dad's bed is broken now. But this is probably telling on the kind of good friends that I have, and especially I'll never forget Patrick McBrien. They're like, "No problem, Tim. Don't freak out. Uh, do you have any, you know, wood glue? Do you have some metal clamps? You had all these kind of hardware things." I was like, yeah, yeah, we got all that. So we went and raided my dad's garage, and uh, it became a carpentry party pretty quickly. And they repaired the bed pretty well, I would say. I say pretty well, not thoroughly well, because about six months after that, the way my mom and dad tell it, my mom rolled over one side of the bed, and all of a sudden the bed collapses. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom is secretly happy because she's been wanting a new bed for a long time. My dad goes feeling around you know, it's a, in the pitch dark, and his hands can, he can feel the repair work because it's not good, I'm sure. It's probably big globs of glue and <laughs> maybe the clamps are still on there. I don't, I don't even know, probably, because I probably forgot to remove them after the glue dried up. So you guys did a good job if it lasted six months. Yeah. Uh, I always had great grades, and so my mom always felt like, hey, we're going to let – she's going to let me do what I want to do within reason as long as I kept my grades up and didn't get in any trouble. So once uh, senior high school, graduated high school, kind of in those times, she made a deal with us. My dad had already moved out because they divorced. She made a deal with the kids that said, if you guys want to have a party – you're welcome to do that as long as everybody's safe, no fights, and you have to buy me a case of beer, pay for my hotel room at Motel Manor in Boonville, and uh, send some cash so she can get breakfast in the morning. And then we had to, ha- of course, have the house cleaned up by the time she got home. And she always – it was about noon when she would get home the next day. So, of course, since we had the place – we had six acres. We had the place to do the parties. All my friends were, like, on board, chipped in, chipped in. Oh, and the great part about it is I always made it clean when we were done. You know, we wake up in the morning and we clean the house and have it ready for my mom. And we did that several times. Um, all my friends were happy. Mom was happy. Never an issue, um, you know, because we never got in trouble. Uh, sometimes we'd start our parties at noon. Um, we had a big pasture where the horses were. We put a volleyball uh, court down there and people would come out about noon and we'd play volleyball for three four hours um, and then people would run home, get cleaned up, and then we would come back and party that night. We weren't big drinkers back then, but there were a couple parties. Once we turned 21, there were a couple parties where we'd get a keg. Um, and the rule, my mom made the rule, is if anybody's drinking, they have to stay at the house. So um, no no underage drinking. We tried to keep that uh, pretty clean. Yeah, probably some people did, but we were pretty conscientious about that. But uh, there would be... 20, 30 people crashing on the living room floor at our house because they had drank and we all took the keys from them. So it was a great time. 
So having been to your farm, of course, you said you had six acres, but you also had a barn. Did you, the next morning, go out looking for folks and find one, like, snuggled up next to a cow or anything like that? <laughs> well, not necessarily that, but we did have people that <laughs> that would crash in the barn. And at one point, uh, my dad uh, had some friends that hunted in the area. And this is before dad um, got kicked out, I guess. But they would keep their campers up there. And um, one time, one of them didn't lock it. And so we, you know, some of the friends drunk walking around found it open and they, they ended up crashing in their camper. Uh, and, you know, the next day we're walking around making sure there nothing happened, make sure the gates weren't open where the horses could get out. And we found somebody in a camper that was passed out. It was a good time. Okay, so like some of the best fights I ever I seen in school were probably all involved Dennis. <laughs> so um, describe Dennis <laughs> to folks. Dennis was big. What was he like? Six one, three hundred pounds. Yeah. <laughs> probably like the one of the best football players on the football team. Mm-hmm. Bench pressed like three hundred fifty pounds or more. But anyway, big guy and didn't take no crap from anybody. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I was probably a sophomore, and there was a senior. We was on a well, he's on the track team. And we were at a meet, a weigh meet. And I think we might have been in Huntingburg. He had a radio sitting in his lap playing some rap music. And the senior said, hey, shut that crap off. <laughs> and uh, he walked up and he started to reach for the, the radio sitting in Dennis's lap. And Dennis goes, I wouldn't do that if I was you. <laughs> By that time, he hit the stop button and stopped the, stopped the tape. And uh, Dennis stood up and bloodied his nose. Oh, wow. <laughs> So there was one fight where I got off the bus, and so there was a kid named Jerry, and so I noticed a blood trail. Everybody had saw there was a trail of blood. You could see it in the uh, walkways you got off the bus and kind of going down through the hall. Well, I guess somebody must have mouthed off to Jerry's girlfriend, or he thought somebody was interested there, and I guess he must have tattooed <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> And then another story was about a uh, particular underclassman who had supposedly urinated in somebody's drink. And so the person in our class, uh, needless to say, gave that boy uh, a little bit of an adjustment as well, but he peed in his cup. <laughs> and actually, I, yeah, I think I even saw that. I, I don't remember if that was the one where he had literally had the guy in a headlock and was punching him in the face and the nose. But yeah, he had peed in the guy's drink. I do remember one time there was a kid that had uh, jumped uh, one of our classmates. He had jumped Warren, and when he jumped Warren, Warren ended up flipping him down the stairs over in the auditorium. And he went down about six or f- six or seven flights of stairs at the at the stadium, and yeah, not auditorium, but the stadium. And needless to say, that never happened to that kid. <laughs> that kid never tried to uh, jump Warren again. <laughs> Dang, I'm surprised he lived. But, yeah. <laughs> There was a bully in grade school, total bully. And for whatever, he had, he had it out for me. I don't know why. 
never did anything to him. I don't know if he was jealous of me because I always had nice shoes. This was like the the white leather uh, Nikes with the blue swoosh on the side uh-huh. that are very, very, you know. I remember I uh, was running the playground and I kept those things immaculate. And I always made, my parents always made sure, and I did one of them too, that I always had nice shoes going to school. And I always did the same with my kids. Because, you know, Unfortunately, people look down. If you see, if you, if you get crappy shoes, they think, "Oh, you're poor." You're, <laughs> but anyway, I was very obsessed with my shoes, and so I don't know if that's something he had maybe a beef with me about. I don't know. <laughs> but speaking of my shoes, I remember I was running to the playground one time in fifth grade, and I tripped a little bit, and I scuffed the end of my Nikes, and I thought somebody had ripped my heart out. Like my, <laughs> just like I almost <laughs> sat down and cried. I couldn't believe it. But anyway. This guy had been bullying me for, you know, out in the playground one day. I had just had enough. I'd had enough. And I was like, I am done with this. I am going to stand up for myself. So the bell rang, and we're all going back in. And he had been picking on me or whatever. And uh, he, was a, he was a stout guy for fifth grade. I mean, he was a stout old guy. So I remember I, his back is towards me, and he's walking back to class. And I was like, Oh, I'm literally like Ralphie in a Christmas story. That's me. You get so mad, you cry. I remember I, with all my might, I reached back and I was going to punch the, the crap out of him in the back. And I literally just like missed him like that much. And I was just like, oh, well, I changed my mind. So you missed him. I missed him. I missed <laughs> and him. And he never that. knew? And he never knew. And nobody ever told him. Eventually, it just kind of the whole little thing kind of faded away. But I do remember him being a bully and me, you know, gaining the courage to take charge of that situation. And then it just fell through. <laughs> just like I didn't even touch it. It was just like, it was just like, like somebody was pulling my hand back, like, don't do it. Yeah. And then in eighth grade, I had another one. Um, this guy, we were, we were standing in front of the mirror, like, cause back in the day, you know, you went and um, you would change for PE. And of course you, everybody's getting their clothes back on for regular class. And, I'm standing in front of the mirror, another guy's next to me in the mirror, and I'm trying to like fix my hair back, and he's trying to fix his hair back, and he kind of nudges me, and I nudge him, and nudge him, and then he pushes me, and he punches <laughs> me, and I punch him, and then we both just kind of let it go. Man. And I was, but I was so mad and like a Ralphie moment. So, you know, just fuming mad, but I don't, I'm not crying, but I'm fuming mad. And, but I go over, and I didn't have my glasses on, I had taken them off, and I had them sitting on the, um, on the bench, you know, where you change. And I go over back where I was sitting down, and I was just like, I'm so mad. And I went down, I was like, went to sit down, I'm like, crunch. I'm like, <laughs> You sat on your glasses. Sat on my glasses and cried because I thought, God, I want to get in trouble. Or, you know, I just crushed my glasses and I put them back on. And of course, they're all gangly and goofy looking. And- So my mom always told me that if anybody ever hits you, don't hit them back. I think part of it is just the Christian, you know, turn the other cheek. Although now that I'm an adult, I wonder if that was really meant for actual physical fighting or was it meant for spiritual things? Who, who knows? That's a subject for a different podcast. But the first time somebody wanted to beat me up, as I probably have mentioned before, I got picked on a lot and it seemed to be by larger people and one day, they had a game of basketball going on, gym class. This guy who was large, he kept griping at me about I wasn't good at basketball. I was on his team. He was stuck with me, all that kind of thing. 
And I finally got tired of him berating me, and I called him a whale. He got mad, and of course, he's a big guy, so he's probably sensitive about it. And he said I was going to pay for that remark. So my sister Jennifer and I, we left the school at the end of the day, and we're walking home, and out from a bush comes this guy. I think (laughs) we'll call him Jeremy, because I think that was his name. But So Jeremy pops out of the bush, and instead of taking my mom's advice, before he can even get a punch in... I have a trumpet case, by the way, and I just swing the trumpet case and I smack him upside the head. Probably hurt him pretty bad, but I just freaked out. I didn't didn't think, you know. And he started crying and, well, he went and told on me. So the next day at school, I got called into the principal's office for beating this kid up. And I told him the truth. I said that he jumped out and I thought he was going to hurt my sister and so I hit him with the trumpet case. <laughs> So I got in some minimal trouble, but my mom, I think she got on to me again that I didn't follow her advice, that I hit the guy. And so a couple years after that in middle school, there's a guy, we were about to have a big test in this class and he forgot to bring his pencil. So he was kind of a bully and he said to me, hey, Tim, give me your pencil. I was like, but if I give you my pencil, I can't take the test. He's like, I don't care. Give it to me. And I refused. And he said basically the same thing, you're going to pay for this. And sure enough, I get on my bicycle to go home, and they're all waiting for me. His friends, they're on their bicycles, and I psych them out. I make them think I'm going one way, and then I, I cut out and go the other way, and I think, oh, I've gotten away. But they catch up with me. And one of the guys who was a good bicycler, uh, he's the one who ran me off the road into a ditch and held me down until the other guy could catch up. So they pulled me up out of the ditch, and uh, he punched me. I just stood there. You didn't punch back? Nope. And I started crying like a baby. And he hit me again, and he said, Hit me back! Fight back! I said, No, leave me alone. And he got so mad and frustrated that he he didn't hit me anymore. He left. He left, and my bike was messed up from being pushed off the road, and so I had to walk the bike home. And uh, my mom... You know, she patched me up, and I got some special attention. So what did she say? <laughs> I, I told her. I said, I do what you told me. And she was kind of right, because I wouldn't fight back. He didn't continue it. He could have beat me to a pulp, really. But he looked so stupid, picking on a Someone who's not hitting big. And my mom called the police, by the way, on him. And they came to his house and had a talk with him. And so the next Monday at school, he came to apologize to me, I think, like in front of a teacher or something. But... Later on, he called me a big baby, and you know people made fun of me and all that. Well, uh, a couple years later, when we got into high school, I don't know how it happened, but me and him became friends, and we end up always being in competition with each other. Who could get voted class clown? Because they had these voting things every year, like you know, best looking girl or who has the most team spirit. So it would seem like every other year, one of us would win class clown. So you know, people can get over. Something like that, and become friends. Are you still friends? Yeah, we're friends on Facebook, yeah. Who would have thunk it? My epic fight was this guy. His name was Kenneth. He could run real fast. Nobody can never beat him running in second grade. And he knew he could run fast. And so... He would always gang up with everybody else, all the other bullies, and 
and torture my brother and myself. And so we kind of pretty much stayed away from him because we didn't want no trouble. It was this other guy, his name was D. Now we thought D was our friend. And what D would do is he would be friends with us, but when Kim came around, I mean, he would jump with him, you know, he'll switch sides. You know, and then he'll help Kenny bully us. Man, way to go, Judas Iscariot. Yeah, and he like. So, one day we decide, you know, my brother and I said, you know, we're going to get D. And it was that one day he was by himself and he was walking home. And uh, I think we lived like, what, maybe two miles away from home, two or three miles away from home. And so we knew he would walk past our house to get to his house. And so he's like, we're going to get him. We started to chase him. He took off and he ran and he he slipped and fell. He, and so we got him. And Kenneth ended up seeing us uh, double teaming him. He tried to join in and we kind of just clobbered him. <laughs> but I remember what we did is we pulled these pants down and his underwear and we pulled our belts off and we gave him a whooping of his life. Wow, like a proper whooping. Oh, proper one. <laughs> And the more he cried, the more we were popping with the belts. And we would trade belts. Terrible. <laughs> Did he learn his lesson? I mean, yeah, because we was when we was uh, beating him with the belts, we were like, don't you ever change friends, don't change styles, don't change pants, you know. We were just beating him, you know. And he begged us, he'll never do it again. And did he stick with you guys after that? Yes. Only time I ever had an issue, I could have been easily picked on because I was so small, skinny, and you know, funny looking and funny talking. We had to walk around the track in high school. For folks listening, like you had a cliff palate, right? Right, yeah, right. I still do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cleft lip and palate. So I had a very nasally voice. And by that time the, the phalangeal flap had disintegrated and so it was my voice was very nasally. We had to do laps in high school, you know, so walk around the track, you know, when the coach doesn't know what to do that day. I think Coaches are some of the lamest teachers ever. So uh, we're walking around the track. He was a tall, skinny, very effeminate black guy. He was not mean ever, but he would he, he could be very cutting. I remember he would say very cutting things to me. And one time, he said something really rude to me. I don't remember what it was. But let me back up and say this. That day, I did not have my dress-out shoes or whatever. You're supposed to you know, change dress-out clothes, I guess is what they call it. You know, you're supposed to change your regular school clothes for your gym clothes. And I didn't have my shoes, so I had to borrow a friend's shoes. And his shoes were like twice the size of my shoes. Mm-hmm. So I had his tennis shoes on, and they looked like clown shoes on my little feet. <laughs> so I'm walking the track, and this guy says something really cutting to me. And I stopped and looked at him, and he was taller than I was too. And I said, look at my feet. And he kind of looked back at me and said, don't mess with me. And I walked away. <laughs> Yeah, he left me alone. That's the only time I ever remember like being somebody saying something really cutting to me. The absolute funniest fight I seen in high school 
was at the Jasper Invitational Track Meet. I think I was a sophomore. I wasn't aware, but I guess there was these three guys from Tell City who ran cross country and long distance and always made fun of one of our friends. His name was Dave. Dave come up to me and a couple of other friends and goes, I can't take this no more. And I'm like, oh, whoa, man, what's wrong? Hmm. And he said, they've all, they've always been making, making fun of me. And I just, I've had enough of it. And I asked somebody else and they said, yeah, this has been going on since junior high. These three guys always made fun of him. Every track meet, cross country meet, whatever it was, they called him hillbilly. And just, he asked me and a couple other guys said, whenever they go in the bathroom, block the door. Don't let anyone in. Of course, like word got out to the rest of the track team. Almost the entire track team was in there, and Dennis and another big guy we went to school with, Jeff, are the two that actually stood holding the door shut so nobody could get in. <laughs> and, uh, and seven or eight of us on the track team, we all stood around. Anyway, those three guys went in the bathroom. Uh, we all followed in. Dave said, I've had enough of you guys. And they said, you're real bad with all your friends. And he goes, ain't no one going to help. He hit one of them. He went to the ground. He slugged another one. He beat all three of them at the same time. Wow. It was like a Dave Willis tornado. <laughs> My freshman year, we were leaving the lunchroom and there were some kids behind me that were spitting and i didn't honestly did not realize until i got to biology class that they were spitting on me uh. and so i got into class and a buddy of mine said dude what happened to you and i'm like what are you talking about he goes you have spit all over your back oh, oh it was gross <laughs> it was the, it was the worst thing and i remember going home that night and telling my mom and my mom was one of those she weighed 100 pounds but she was you know she thought she was 300 pounds and and you know six foot ten she called the uh the counselor and told the counselor that if they didn't fix that problem immediately and it happened again that she was going to tell me to take my baseball back to school and take care of it because i played baseball and she was one of those that believed it you give them one chance to take care of things and you took care of yourself wow. <laughs> lucky enough it never happened again but I do remember who it was, and good gracious, I don't know what I would have done because these guys were big fellas, and I, I, I don't know how I would have handled it. Who can stop the rain? Who can stop the rain? Who can stop this pain? It's driving me. One summer, somehow I discovered this squirt gun. It shot water, and it would look like a shotgun, and it kind of operated like a like a pump shotgun type of thing. And this is before all the super soakers and the water guns with batteries and all that kind of thing. But it was incredible how far it went. So I bought it, and a guy that I knew had a car, and we drove around, and we were just I was shooting almost like a like a drive by shooting, but I was shooting water at like you know like the stop sign or you know going by real fast see if I could hit something. Well, we saw a group of guys that we knew. And we thought, hey, we'll go shoot them with water. And I shot the water, and it missed all the people that I knew who probably would have been okay with that. But it hit some guy that I never had seen in my life. <laughs> also another large person. And that guy was furious. Uh, he started running towards the car. He looked like he was going to like ram the car with his body. And so my friend peeled out. And that guy was hollering like, you're going to pay. I never had seen the guy before in my life. So I was, my hope was he was from out of town or he was somebody's cousin or something. Well, he came uh, 
identified himself to me the next Monday at school. He shoved me against the lockers and he and he said, you know, we're going to have it out. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept wanting me to meet him in the parking lot, you know, so we could have a fight or something. And I never would, of course. And I'd always find new ways to escape the high school building, a new exit. And this went on for a long time. I lived in total fear. You know, every time he saw me in the hallway, he would slam me in, into the floor. Or, I don't remember why, but he finally gave up on me. And he left me alone. Because he realized you're a coward? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> or maybe he just finally recognized my superior ability to escape the high school. I mean, after all, I was repelling out of windows and hiding in dumpsters so I could stow away on garbage trucks. I want to thank all my contributors on this episode, including Chuck Daniels, Ken Harris, Mark McWilliams, Brad Overton, Scott Humston, DJ Mindub, Rick Stevens, Joseph Harris, Brandon Oaks, Derek Sorrells, and Emma Buchanan. And if you're still in the 80s mood, you might look into episode 212, where we share our favorite stories involving those poor creatures called teachers in the schools they tried to educate us in. In the Corner Back by the Woodpile is produced by A Closet, A Pocket, and A Suitcase. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Podbean.com, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you would like to send us some love letters, you can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. We'll see you next week.